Welcome to the Starfire Codes podcast, where we discuss metaphysics, survival, the media, and the truth. Thanks for joining us. I'm your host, Amy Pitchell. We're here today with Larry Sharp. Larry Sharp is a husband, father, Marine Corps veteran, entrepreneur, teacher, and political activist. His mission is to help people find happiness through community and purpose, often by overcoming bad policy decisions in government. He ran for governor of New York twice. In his first run, he achieved third-party ballot access with about 100,000 votes. Then the state changed the rules and took that away. Larry built a coalition for ballot access between the Libertarian Party, Green Party, and Forward Party. He supports ranked choice voting and tried to stop one-party rule in New York, which encourages corruption in districts where people run unopposed due to the corrupt power of gerrymandering. He sued for ballot access in federal and state court multiple times and was denied by a system that favors the status quo. Larry's a businessman who started a trucking business and sold a successful distribution company, an executive coach and management consultant who has mentored hundreds of entrepreneurs, executives, and companies in leadership and team building skills, a strategic consultant for thought leaders in government, finance, law, technology, media, and healthcare, and a teacher and guest instructor who taught English, management, and business at universities such as Yale, Columbia, and John Jay College. Larry Sharp. Part one. Welcome, Larry. Thank you so much for coming. I'm on. glad to be here. I appreciate it. Thanks. So, uh, tell us what initially got you into politics to begin with. You're a political activist, and and you're a business. Well, I got to make sure that I say something interesting and special here, otherwise people are going to be bored. So, um, could I make up a story like aliens or something like? Can I do, oh, should I tell the truth? Which one's better? <laughs> I don't know. You can do both. We we can decide okay. which one is true. <laughs> okay. Uh, yes. No, the, the reality of it is I was going to leave New York State. I was done with it. New York is a very tough state to live in. If you happen to live in New York State, you know what I'm talking about. And it's been getting worse. People are leaving the state left and right. This is back in 2017. I was like, I'm going to get out. I'm going to leave. I'm going to get out of here. And I went down to North Carolina for what I do for a living. I'm a business consultant for my day job. Um, and I had to go to a big city because that's where I can make most of my money, right? I consult with large corporations, big budgets, all that good stuff. So I thought maybe Charlotte would be a good idea. That's what I thought. Went down there, went to Charlotte, looked around, and I thought, wow, I can sell my shoebox of a house here in Queens, buy a mansion in North Carolina with the same amount of money, <laughs> right? Live better, lower taxes. Oh my God, this is great. But instead of me leaving, I got angry. I said, why does my beautiful, wonderful state of New York, which has everything you could want in it, everything from Broadway, to fishing, to mountain climbing, to skis, to, to Niagara Falls, to farmland, to Broadway, the New York Yankees, Madison Square Garden, and you know, everything you can imagine, New York State has it. Why does my government suck so bad I have to leave? So I got mad and I said, I'm not gonna talk trash, I'm gonna fix this. So I decided 2018, I'm gonna head back, run for governor, win and change New York State. In case you didn't know, Demi, that did not go as planned. That did not go so, as planned. So yes, I, I did not go as, I, I did not become governor. I didn't fix everything. It didn't work, uh, but I tried. <laughs> but the problem was when I ran is when I realized how terrible the system was. Right. So I didn't realize how bad it was. I thought I knew stuff and I did know some stuff, but wow, I knew almost nothing compared to what there's out there to learn about how bad this system is, how corrupt it is, the, how pay to play it is. I had no idea how bad it was and how much, and how so many of our leaders, elected leaders, actually hate us. 
that we are actually just in their way of making money. We just we're just grifting. We just we're in the way of, the, of them grifting. I'm sorry. We're in their way of them grifting. And I was shocked how normal that was. I didn't get how normal that was. How many people are scrambling for that government dollar? And I don't mean the theory of the welfare queen. I don't mean that at all. I mean the corporations, the consultants, the heavy hitters who are crying, screaming, grabbing that government dollar, right? That's right. why I didn't realize that I was shocked at that, how bad that was. So I said, I'm going to run again this time. And this time <laughs> I'm going to win. Yet again, last year, that did not go as planned. Um, but I think that's why I got involved because I saw how bad it was. And I have a thought process that I think a lot of people don't agree with, which is the only way of saving our nation is a third party. I don't care which one that is. I am obviously biased. I'm registered libertarian, happy to be a libertarian. However, to be forward with you, any third party would actually help. A third party breaks up, and you know this as some of the work you do, I'm sure, but when you have two people who just won't communicate or are struggling to communicate, you need a third party to come in and kind of get some communication going. You kind of need someone else to step in and go, can we have a conversation? I know you're mad. I know you're mad. You got bad history, bad blood, but can we have a conversation? Third parties can do that. Third party. In other words, if you're a Democrat and you want something to get done, you go across the aisle, talk to a Republican, you lose your seat. You're gone. You're, you're, you're blacklisted. It's over for you. Your career's done. You're a Republican. You want to go talk to Democrat, get something done. You're finished. Well, game's over. But as a third party, that becomes the mediator. The third party becomes the peacemaker, right? That's the piece that I wanted to do. And I think we have to have that. So I keep fighting for third parties no matter what. That's how I got involved. That's what I'm still doing. So when people argue with you and they say that, you know, third parties, um, you know, that that's not the way to get through because, you know, uh, everything is is blocked in that direction or yep. it's not how to uh, to make a splash. What do you usually tell them? What's making a splash? Yeah, nothing. Thank you. Nothing. Not a okay. thanks making. What right. you're doing now is not working that I'm sure of. And the fact that you would say, well, you can't do it shows that your system is broken. So why do you keep supporting it? Right. The fact that you will tell me you can't do it tells me your system's broken. So why the hell are you supporting it? I said, I, you know, I'd love to eat, but there's no food. So I guess there's just no food. We'll starve. Or you can go buy some damn food. You know, that's the other option. So yes, you can just do that. And people just are so stuck and so worried. The problem is today's politics is only about fear. That's it. So the problem is winning now is not my life getting better or my family's life getting better, or my business getting better, or my education getting better, or my healthcare getting better. None of that is what politics is about. It's about, did I hurt the other? Did the other lose? So, see, we we stopped the libs. Great, is your life any better? Well, no, but we stopped the libs. I, I don't know how that's a good thing for you. You didn't do anything. Your life still sucks. So how are you winning? Right. Oh, we stopped Trump. Hey, stop Trump. Is your life any better? Well, no. In fact, it's worse. So do, do, why do you care if you own the lib or beat the Trumpster? What the hell do you care? It doesn't matter. <laughs> and then people always say the same thing. Larry, not this cycle. It's too important. It's the most important election of our lifetime. Every election is that. Yeah. We, never. For those of you who are listening right now and saying, yeah, but Larry, you can't let the Democrats or can't let the Republicans win. And maybe we're thinking that right now. I get it. Remember this. Bush got us Obama. Obama got us Trump. Trump got us Biden. Who's winning? Not you. Not you. <laughs> They're winning because all of them are still wealthy and doing just fine. All of them have tons of power and tons of lifestyle that you don't have. They're all doing great. Elites are winning. You're losing. 
they're they're making you believe that I've got to make sure the other guy doesn't win or lose. So what? They rotate. You get if you like the right, you get you get the right for four years, and left comes in. Like the left, you get left four years, the right comes in. Who cares? Nothing changes. So your idea of this is not or doesn't work, it shows how much you are affected by Stockholm syndrome. So when when people um, come at you with that kind of energy, like they're not going to budge on that um, on that system, on on just staying with the, with the two parties, and and they start um, they start complaining to you that it's that it's destroying the fabric yeah, of, of the, the way that it the works. The reality of it is, the person who is that hardcore, mm-hmm. who believes, right? Oh my God, we have to stop everything. Everything is a threat to democracy. Everything is the end of the country. I'm not going to turn that person. And I don't even try. I can't. I'm not going to turn that person. The people who I want to bring to my side are three different types. One, those who have checked out, just completely checked out. And that's a lot of Americans. They just check out. Like, it doesn't matter. I can't do anything. They just check out. That's number one. That person is open to hearing something. How do I know that? That's how I first got involved in the Libertarian Party. I was totally checked out. I was always a rebel. Like I was the guy who thought in the nineties, Perot was going to save us. Right. I believe that. Right. And then I was like, Ralph Nader, he's the guy, he's going <laughs> to solve everything. Right. I believed all that stuff. And by the time Obama didn't do anything that when he was still bombing people, I, we should have known Obama, it's in the name bomb. We known. <laughs> when, when he was going to bomb people and, and do the same thing, you know, not close Guantanamo Bay, not do all the things that he was going to do. Right. Bail out the banks. He wasn't going to bail them out, bail the banks out. All the things that he was going to do, he did. And I thought, okay, then he's not, nothing either. And I was checked out. I was like, right. it doesn't matter, right? And then I heard Gary Johnson speak in 2012. And when he spoke, I thought, oh, he's not saying what the rest of the guys are saying. And that drew me in. Mm-hmm. And since then, I was interested. Then I became active in 2016. Then I ran in 2018. So that's kind of how I got, I got moving. But my point is that type of person who's checked out, that's one. Number two, the person who is actually a Republican or actually a Democrat and realizes that the parties don't do what they say. Right, right. Right? So someone who's Democrat and says, I believe in things like free speech. I believe in things like er equality for everybody. I believe in these things that Democrats are supposed to care about, right? They, They say they care about civil liberties. They care about these things. They talk it, then do nothing to change it. And you're one of those people who goes, I've been... I, I I want the Democratic Party to be Democratic and it's not. That's come to me. Yeah. Right. Or Republicans who actually want like less debt, small, less taxation, smaller government, who actually want smaller government. Republicans will say they want smaller government all day long and then expand it as big as anybody else. Right. Anybody else. But they often don't tax. There's a difference between the two, I think, in general. Democrats are tax and spend. Republicans are debt and spend. But they're all about spend, right? They're all about spend. <laughs> and they always spend on their friends, on their cronies, on the people who own them. They never actually spend on us, right? Mm-hmm. Not that I want you spending a bunch of money on us. I'm a libertarian. However, if you're going to spend money, spend it on us, right? I mean, if you're going to yeah. do it, give it to us. Why are you giving it to your, all your friends and cronies who most of them are international corporations or large packs? Mm-hmm. So the money's that may coming to us even trickle down. The trickle down stuff's not even working for us. Right. None of it's working for us. So if you're that kind of Republican, that's for me, too. Right. Those are the people I can, they'll hear me. The most important piece, though, is people say, well, Larry, you're not going to you know, win the presidency or control the government. You're actually right. And I'm not saying I will. But imagine for a second, just imagine if there were right now in the Senate, three libertarians, only three of 100 
just three, we would control the Senate via swing vote, mm-hmm. which means they'd have to compromise. They'd have to actually do stuff. They couldn't just, right now, how it works in the system now is the leader of the party decides what goes on the floor to be voted on. I'm not joking. So literally, uh, who's the guy now? Um, Hakeem Jeffries, right? He's the guy who yeah. runs the, the Congress now. He decides what they vote on. That one guy decides. That's the current system. One guy decides. One guy. That's it. We literally have autocracy. We don't have a functioning democracy. I'm not making that up. If anybody cares, do your homework. That's how it works. So, so your congressperson says, hey, I want to pass a law. So I've got a bill to put up. Hakeem Jeffries looks at it and goes, I don't like it. No. Done. Your bill's dead. <laughs> That's how it works now. Why? Two-party system. Each of them wants that power when they're in control. So they won't stop it. By the way, political parties, not the Constitution. They're unconstitutional. They're not Constitution. No, we made them up. And now they control everything. So if you have a third party, now you say, again, I've got those three libertarians. What would libertarians do? Libertarians often the same way on this. This is a democracy. We want di- direct democracy. We don't want oligarchy. We can't stand that. We want more power locally to the people as possible. So we're going to say, no, we're going to pass nothing ever unless you change the rule and allow people to put all bills on the floor to be voted on. Right. Done. You don't do that. Nothing gets passed. And libertarians are hardcore. We would literally shut the government down. We literally would. And they would know we would. Right. To go, okay, you're right. Fine. Okay. Right. Yes. Put the bills on. And at least <laughs> now, say you're in Michigan, say you're in, 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 in Iowa, say you're in Texas. Well, unless the New York congressperson decides that your bill is good, it doesn't matter what you think. Mm-hmm. So I don't have to control the Congress or control the Senate. I need three or four people in the Senate, maybe 15 in Congress. Right now, I need about four in Congress right now. I need about four in Congress, four in Congress in, in, in the House, three in the Senate, and libertarians would now change everything. In my own state, New York State, the Senate's the same way. Senate's about two or three, um, almost 50%. So if I get three or four libertarians, we can run the Senate. So we can make impact. And that's what I want is impact. Right now, nothing's changing. There is no impact. I think third party is the only way. I'm sorry, I yapped away, but just to let you know, I don't think tomorrow there's going to be a libertarian president. Libertarians are going to control the House and the Senate or any third party. Again, I, I, I was with um, Andrew Yang last year on stage with the forward party. Even yeah. if the forward party takes off, forward's not going to control the country next year, even if forward takes off. But imagine three forward people in the Senate. Five in the in the uh, Congress, same idea, right? I, I, obviously, I'm I'm, excuse me, I'm openly biased to libertarian, but any third party could do this mm-hmm. if we would have just allowed th- the Greens, Green Party, yes, right? Whatever party that you want in, we can do this, but we have to stop saying, "Well, this is the system we have." We can just change the system. Yeah, and you're making me think of you know back in in 2016 when. Um, when the Libertarian Party was not allowed to share the debate floor. Correct. Because, um, and they were blaming this on, you know, um, needing to carry 5% of the vote in order to do that. They were, they were making up reasons. It was 15%. Reasons. And what people okay. don't know is there was a presidential commi- commission on debates run by Democrats, Republicans. Right. And when that happened, people know this. This is what the, the, the thing that I, I learned so much as I was going through this, and most people don't want to hear it. So thank you, Dimi, for letting me preach a little bit. I Absolutely. So much. Yes. <laughs> so what happened is after Ross Perot got on the stage, if, if any of you are old enough listening who remember, 
Ross Perot got on a stage back in the 90s and he rocked it. And they were like, oh, no, 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 you don't. Right after that, they made the presidential commission on debates. Right after that, they were like, we're going to make sure we cut them out. Democrats, Republicans run it and they decide whatever they want. You have to poll at 15%. Now you might go, well, Larry, that's not un- unreasonable. How can you poll at 15% when you're not in the polls? Yeah, and nobody go, knows you. Correct, but then they, but but you're not in the poll. So people think, well, that's because the companies don't think you're valuable. No, it's because you don't buy the poll. Right. Polls are bought and people don't know that. These polls don't come out because these people love America. They come out because somebody buys the poll. I know that because I was running in, in New York in 2018 and I was doing well. I was, I was the official candidate. I'd raised half a million dollars. I was going to be on the ballot. So I was a viable candidate, right? I was. The odds of me winning obviously was slim, but I was a viable candidate. I passed all the rules. I was on the ballot. I'd raised six figures in money. That is a, that, that's a viable candidate. So I thought, mm-hmm. okay, I was on Joe Rogan. Right? Like I was on the big podcasts, right? So, okay, I'm a guy, right? Why aren't you covering me? And they said, oh, we're not covering you because you didn't buy the poll. I, I said, what? They said, yeah, just buy the poll, put you in. I said, couldn't believe it, like blew me away. Wow. So wow. I said, okay, how much is a poll? 40 grand. <laughs> what local <laughs> candidate can afford 40 grand for a poll? Only Democrats and Republicans in their establishments can, can deal with that kind of money and they're packs by the polls. And the, so the PACs, PACs are getting the money grand. back in the in the long run anyway. 100%. Mm-hmm. So they're taking the 50 grand, they're buying a poll. When you buy the poll, you decide who's in it. You bought it. <laughs> you don't know that. They think polls are fair. No, polls are... Why do you think right now RFK is not on the polls? Because when a Democratic establishment buys the poll, they keep them out. Yeah, yeah. That's why it's not anything. These polling companies are unfair. No, they're not. They're doing exactly what they're being paid to do. Yeah. Democratic establishment is buying the polls. They don't want RFK in the polls because he's doing far better against Biden than anybody else. So they put everybody else in the polls. So it looks like Biden's doing awesome compared to the rest. They don't put RFK in. So see, Biden's going to win. RFK is clearly not important. He's a nut, obviously. They don't, they don't want to put him in the poll. That's how it looks. The average person has no idea that's how it works. Yeah, they they don't know that uh that the polls are are being bought they don't know that um that the money is getting drained out to go back to the people who paid to have these people elected either correct so so when you when you get into that part when you discuss that part with people where you know the the money is getting drained out so the you know the tax money goes in and then the people are elected but they're elected by the people who are draining out the money not by the people who the money should be going back to so how do you usually well, explain that to people the, the the hardest part i'll bring i'll bring this up there's an example again i'm, I'm using a lot of new york state because i ran in new york state twice mm-hmm. i know new york very well i'm sure there's an example if you don't live in new york that you could probably catch and make sense compared in your state but I'll give you an example the Buffalo Bills in New York State obviously play in Buffalo, New York, and they want a new stadium. So for those of you who don't know, every single owner of every single um, NFL football team is a billionaire. The owners of the NFL are all billionaires. Every player in the NFL, every one of them is a millionaire. They could finance this on their own with not $1 coming out of taxpayer dollars. They could easily finance their own stadium. And most stadiums are financed somehow by the NFL or by uh, some of the owners because they're 
Billionaires. Banks love giving money to billionaires, right? They love it. It's one of their favorite things to do. So they easily could, could finance this thing. No, New York State is going to spend $850 million to buy the Buffalo Bills stadium. The Buffalo Bills. <laughs> they have a buffalo on their helmet. They're not going anywhere. Buffalo is a two million person metro area. And if you go to Western New York, if anyone knows Western New York, during football season, a greeting, a morning greeting is not good morning. A morning greeting is go Bills. Hey, go Bills. Go Bills. That's, a, <laughs> that's how much Western New York loves the Bills. They buy shirts. They buy hats. They buy flags. They buy car stickers. All Bills are going nowhere. There's far too much money in Western New York for the Bills to go anywhere. They're going nowhere else. There's no way they can go to places else. They're staying. <laughs> and we still stand for the million dollars. People say, Larry, it makes no sense. Why would she do that? She's stupid. She's crazy. No, my, my governor's not crazy at all. I mean, I don't like my governor, but she's not crazy. She's not stupid. That's absolutely not true. She's not that. What she knows is she now has 850 million, I'm sorry, billion dollars. I'm sorry, million dollars to hand out in jobs to her cronies. Mm -hmm. If she just let them finance it, they would be in charge of who gets the jobs, who builds it, that they get to do everything. It may or may not be union. It could be union. It could be her cronies. It could be other people, whatever. She will make sure that all of her friends get jobs. That's why they don't mind giving her money and putting money into PACs. That's how they get their money back. So I, as Joe Schmo, the construction worker, I'm sorry, the construction owner, I own a multi-million dollar construction company or worse, a consulting company. Yes, I own that. <laughs> and so I, I, I dropped 40 grand into her campaign or into a pack. No worries. Not as, not as a $20 million contract comes out. I get the contract. And at least out of 20 million, a million dollars that goes to my pocket. So I give 50,000 and I get a million. I'll do that every day of the week. Right. Come on. Who wouldn't give 50 grand and get a million bucks? Of course you would. Mm -hmm. And that happens constantly. And now that's $850 million worth of jobs she's now giving out. All those people are now loyal to her. All those people now owe her a favor. They all now trust that she'll keep paying them back. She gets reelected because the money keeps pouring in. That happens again and again and again. And that's someone who wins. Now I'm going to go to the other side, the Republican side. The guy who ran was a guy named Lee Zeldin. He ran. And I told everybody he was grifting. He was just trying to raise money. He did. He raised $13 million, lost. He knew he was going to lose. And I told everybody within three months, he'll be running a PAC. Of course he will. Why? Because it's legal once you're done running. Let's say you raise $13 million, you spend 10. Mm -hmm. There's $3 million left in your, in your account. What can you do with it? Well, as long as it's political, it's fine. So you take your, your political money, give it to a PAC. And the PAC hires you as executive director and pays you a salary. Get your money back. You bought, you bought yourself a job. Wow. Yeah, on donor money. Happens all the time. This is the norm. This is why I ran in 2022. I found all this out in 2018. Oh my gosh. And now no one will talk to me about it because they like, Larry, you're, you're saying the secrets. I know. I want people to know this. So they would stop falling for the same lies. Right, it's absolutely. Why people run. Why do you think there's 17 people running for president? You think they all think they can win? Of course not. These, <laughs> these, these are these are legal money laundering operations. Right, right. That's all it is. It's legal money laundering. That's all it is. So they run, they run so they can raise a whole bunch of money. They raise a bunch, they get their, they get their names out, they then go get the big Twitter base, they get a big YouTube base. So now one of three things happens. Number one, they lose, which is gonna happen. And then whoever wins, whether it's Trump or DeSantis or whoever wins, puts them on their inner cabinet. Once you're in a cabinet, 
that is the grift world of grift worlds. Because now you decide all the things that no one votes on. So you do whatever you want, give all your friends jobs, give all your friends everything, raise all kind of money. Why do you think all these people are millionaires? AOC, AOC, who's my congressperson, AOC, five years ago was, was waiting tables. Yeah. Now she's a multimillionaire. How do you become a multimillionaire when you make $100,000 a year? How'd that happen? <laughs> right? Yeah. They know it's the grift world, so they jump on board. So that's option one, they get into someone's cabinet. Option two, they get a TV show, radio show, podcast show, whatever, tons of money off that. And they talk about their experience running for president or whatever that nobody cares about, but they'll pretend to be cool and they'll get some sponsors and stuff. But number three, they work for some form of political action committee or think tank. So again, say I'm um, Nikki Haley. I raised uh, $40 million to run for president. I lose in the primary, which she's probably gonna lose in the primary, right? But she still has $10 million in her pocket. She sees a think tank over there hanging out where she wants to move. She wants to move to, I don't know, Arizona, wherever she wants to move. Just, hey, is there a think tank in Arizona? Yeah, it's the people for the of chickens pack. Awesome. <laughs> I'll donate $10 million to that pack, which is legal. Now you have it. Hey, do you need an executive director? We do. And the salary's half a million dollars a year. What a coincidence that is. Well, they'll happily pay her half a million dollars a year. She just gave them 10 million. Right. And she can go out and speak for them. She can get speakers fees. She can raise money for other people. They get a cut. Everybody gets cut. Everybody's happy. So how often does this happen? Does this happen with, with every most day. of the people who e run? Every day. Wow. Every day. All and no time. one notices this. No one notices that this is exactly what's happening. Of course not. If they did, there'd be a revolt. Wow. What we know is, what we know is it's not working. So we do one of two things. Blame the other or check out. That's what we do. We blame the other. You, have you heard the, the vitriol, left and right vitriol? When, when people who are on the left use the word conservative, that's not a descriptor. That's an insult. Right. When people on the right use the word progressive, that's not a descriptor. That's an insult. They're using the words as an insult. Yeah. Not using it as a descriptor, right? The average person will use it as, as a descriptor. Oh, this person's more progressive, this person's more conservative. But when these people are using those descriptors, it's an insult. Mm -hmm. And that's becoming more and more common. So they either blame the other. And I push this all back with that to Occupy Wall Street. Um, and people say, what do you mean by that? Well, Occupy Wall Street was actually a, a good idea. Some people get mad at me when I say it, but it was. The idea was the 99% are screwing us all over. And the one... I'm sorry, the 1% is screwing over 99%. It's true. So let's fix the system. I agree with that. Good idea. Bad system. 1% becoming more of an oligarchy, autocracy. 99% getting screwed. Let's fix it. I'm in. Let's, it's a good idea. Let's do this, right? So everyone's down there occupying Wall Street. And it was actually working. People were getting scared. People were staying. Press was going on it. And the elites went, okay, this we, we got a problem, guys. This is like a thing. Like, we might be in trouble. Like they're figuring out we bailed out the banks, didn't help them at all. 2009 crash only helped out the big boys and nobody else. They're figuring it out. What are we going to do? <laughs> so then some guy said, I tell you what we do. I got him. Hey, Occupy Wall Street people, tell you what we do. We're going to um, hire some black women and we'll do like a equity thing for our people to look at and that. And we now like gay people? Is that good? And Occupy said, oh, 
we're winning. Yay. And went home. And Lisa was like, oh, got away with that. Well, that worked out. <laughs> so all they had to do was do some window dressing to act like they cared about social issues. I mean, they don't. But they did some yeah. window dressing. I mean, it looked like they care. Right. They do. There's no doubt. If you like look at it, there's no question. They are doing some more window dressing without. It looks a whole lot better. But there was no systemic change. Right. What they were most afraid of was systemic change. So they said, we'll do these like woke things and that'll help. Right. And people bought it. And now you have most people who want change worried more about fighting culture war issues than actual systemic changes. They worry about how things look, how things feel, not there's actually a change. So they're more worried about pronouns. That's you shouldn't have pronouns. Enjoy your pronouns, not against pronouns. But they're more worried about pronouns than whether you can eat. Like Mm -hmm. that's more important. If I got a register, call me, she, they, it, I don't care. I'd like to eat and have a house to live in. You can call right. me some names. We'll deal with the name calling later, right? It's fine. <laughs> we'll deal with the name calling later, right? I don't want you to call me bad names, but let me eat and have a house first. Then we'll talk about names. And we and have many people who, who can't eat, don't have a house, houseless, all kinds of problems, and we're worried about other things. We're worried about, you know, whether, whether our, our school kids have the right teacher or not, which is important. But I'd like to eat first. I'd like my kid to have food in his stomach first before I worry about, whether the teacher is gay or straight or whatever the thing is, right? Let's, let's, let's focus on what's more important. And we still have people suffering all over the country and we're worried about sideshows. And both sides do it. This is not a left thing or a right thing. Both sides do it. They jump on culture war all day long because culture war is an easy way to fight. It pisses against each other. We fight all day long. It's a conflict machine. Mm-hmm. And as long as we're fighting each other, we're not solving anything. Meanwhile, who keeps winning? The elites keep getting richer. The, the, the elites keep getting more power and we keep getting in trouble. And I'm sorry, you let me are, preach. Thank you for letting me preach. That's okay. Uh, no, and, and people are up against a wall with, with eating as well because this system is being used to cancel people. So Absolutely. if you say the wrong thing, you could be out of a job and then, then who's eating, right? So Yes. Yeah, so we well, have a well, problem that with that too because up. it's gone crazy now. It, it's that all, part also, though, if you notice. That mm-hmm. part also supports the elites, mm-hmm. right? Dave Chappelle is elite. You can't cancel him. Joe Rogan is elite. You can't cancel him. So the elites can say whatever they want. If Dave Chappelle wants to insult gay people, straight people, black people, white people, he can. You can't cancel him. He's elite. Let some local comedian try that. They're finished. Yeah. Let some up and comer try that. They're finished. Joe Rogan can insult gay people, straight people, black people, white, whatever he wants. Doesn't matter. Can't cancel him. Let some local podcaster do it. They're finished. Mm-hmm. So the cancel culture aspect again helps the elites, which is why the elites don't mind it because they're not affected by it. They don't care. Great, cancel all these young guys trying to take my job. <laughs> Gimme's trying to be bigger than Joe Rogan. Cancel her. Get <laughs> right, rid of her. Can't touch Joe Rogan. And again, I'm not against your Rogan. I was on a show. If he's listening, please put me back on again. I want to go back on. Right. All I'm saying is, in reality, Rogan doesn't care about that. Neither does Dave Chappelle. Neither does mm-hmm. anyone who's elite. The elites don't care. They're not affected by it. You can't cancel them. You can cancel the, 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 the little guy. You can cancel. 
So what happens when you get into a situation like that and it's up against um, cancel culture versus versus things that really matter in politics, like things that are really, you know, creating jobs and, and, and making people have that kind of stability, things that we really should be looking at. So when people are so um, mired in the divide and conquer wars, let's say, and, and not yep. in what we should be talking about, which is it, which is what Occupy was about. It was about what we should have been talking about. Yes. It's about, you know, taking um, taking back our power as the 99% and not 100%. having. Yeah. So so how do you usually address that with people when when that comes up, you know, and, and, and people are so mired policies. in that? Yeah. I give actual answers. If you've noticed, look at any debate you see. Look at any uh, conversation with anyone who's running for office or isn't currently in office. They don't have any answers. All their answers are other guy bad. <laughs> That's it. So if you were to go to someone who, say, is a Republican who's mad about the border, right? And a lot of Republicans are mad about the border. So they say, oh, the border's broken. Great. How are you going to fix it? You know, these damn Democrats got the border open. Okay, great. How are you going to fix it? We got to build a wall. Didn't Trump say that? Yeah, but we got to really build it. Did he not build it? Well, he did build it. He didn't, but I thought, wait a minute, then, then it's a wall. Well, no, he didn't. Okay, did it? I don't know. Democrats are bad. Democrats are bad. That's it. Democrats are bad. Right? Now, go Democrats. Democrats were talking about Medicare for all forever. Right? They're all mad about health care, right? Republicans mad about the border. Democrats mad about health care. So Democrats, how are you going to fix a, a health care? Republicans have been stopping us forever. I got it. How are you going to fix health care? Well, we got to you know, strengthen Obamacare. We already have Obamacare. But, but Republicans are bad. How what you gonna do? No answer. Republicans are bad. <laughs> and that's every single time. They do some, well, it's been tough, difficult. Basically, their answer is other guy bad, vote harder. If you just vote harder, then it'll get fixed. And we keep believing it. But when you come to me and you say, How do you fix the border? I said, I'll tell you how you fix the border. We can have two things. We can have vibrant immigration and a secure border. It's possible. I have the idea. You're going to put two Ellis Islands on the southern border, one in Texas, one in Florida. Both of those Ellis Islands are simply privatized recruiting companies. That's it. They're recruiting companies, private companies recruiting two separate companies. Why two separate companies? Because if one is bad, people go to the other. The other one, this one will die out. It will have to be good. They will have to service people well or no one will go there. Anyone who wants to come to our country and work legally, go to the Ellis Islands process them as they should, whether it's a 14 day, 30 day, whatever is the period, they'll stay there like large hotels, give them, have them build it out. Government doesn't touch it. All government does is lease the land. So government then takes a check. And I say, Larry, how are you gonna make money? Right now, literally, literally, hundreds of thousands of people are paying um, coyotes thousands of dollars to bring them across into the country. Thousands of dollars. It's a multi-billion dollar industry. Mm -hmm. So take it out of the black market and just give it to a recruiting company. Recruiting company will actually vet you, set your resume up, see where you need to go and send you there. States can opt in or opt out. If a state thinks they don't want any more immigrants, opt out. It's fine. State wants to opt in. They get an orange card. They're able to work now for two years. They got to check in every two years and they can take no public assistance. But now you're legal. You cannot work. You pay your taxes and then go home if you want to. What people don't realize is years ago, the, the border was actually open. Uh, 100 years ago, the border was about open. It was open. actually made about 70 years ago, it was open. Mexicans in, in particular would come across the border, work, and then go home. They'd come across for seasonal work and go home. They want to stay in Mexico. They're Mexicans. Mm -hmm. want to stay in Mexico. Well, makes sense. We closed the border. Now they couldn't go back. 
So what did they do? They had to build their lives here. We forced them to build their lives here. We forced the, the whole idea of all these uh, undocumented workers is our fault. We made a system that way, right? Instead, they would just go home. So allow them to, they have an orange card. Just go home, go back, you have an orange card, cross the border whatever you want. You're paying your taxes legal. You don't have to live here if you don't want to. I don't care. You want to live here, live here. You don't, go back home. I don't care, whatever. Or being done. You do that, change everything. But not just that. Anyone can go to those Ellis Islands. So now you're already undocumented here. You're sitting in whatever, Kansas, you're undocumented. You're tired of being undocumented. You're being abused by people around you. You can't call the cops because you'll get arrested. Go to Ellis Island. Go ahead, go there. Get legal, come back, be legal. Mm-hmm. Not just that there are about 11 or 12 million undocumented workers in the, in the country right now. A lot of them are doing a great job. Some of them are bad guys, really bad guys. Some of them are, absolutely true. So why don't we get them? We can't because they're all sitting in enclaves of other undocumented workers who are afraid to call them out. Well, if all of a sudden now, good Pablo has his orange card and the cops come by and say, where's bad Pablo? He goes right there. Now we can go get bad Pablo and let good Pablo keep working. We can do that because now good Pablo's not scared anymore because he can just call the cops and the cops will protect him. What if it's a uh, bad Maria, uh, bad Maria versus good Maria? Well, good, bad Maria is, is going out of her way to traffic good Maria. And good Maria is being trafficked and being punished and being abused by her boss. But she's not legal. So she can't do anything. Well, now she's legal. Now she can turn her boss in and she can turn bad Maria in. This makes everything better. States can opt out if they want to, whatever. Two private companies doing the, doing the job the best way they can, getting paid by these businesses. That's how they're making money. But not just that. What if people want to get green cards or they want to eventually get citizenship? Create a plan, whatever the plan is, right? Maybe it's a five-year plan, they learn English, or a 10-year plan, or whatever the plan is. I don't care. Let the government decide. A private company does it, right? Who pays for it? These workers, they're working. They're making money. They pay for their own system. Again, no taxpayer dollars being spent. And here's the best part. What about the bad guys? The bad guys aren't going to go through Ellis Island because they're bad guys. They'll be caught. What are they going to do? They're going to be trying to cross the border. Fine. Well, now we have our current border patrol that right now is babysitting hundreds of thousands of people. Stop babysitting and go get bad guys. That's why we pay them to get bad guys. I like police forces getting bad guys, not being babysitters. Right. So now they can actually hunt across the border and get the bad guys because the good guys are going to Ellis Island. Now you might go, Larry, I don't know if I like that idea. Larry, what about this, what about that? Fine. I gave you an actual idea. Mm-hmm. I gave you an actual plan to solve a problem. Am I the smartest guy in the world? No one else has a plan, only me? No, I mean, I'm good looking, but it doesn't mean I'm smart, right? So I'm not the smartest guy around. These guys could have thought of a plan like that or better or different, whatever, but they don't. Why not? Why solve the problem when I can keep you fighting each other over the border? Mm-hmm. Literally, it, there is no value for them in solving the problem. So when people come to me and say, well, what are you going to do? I give you an actual plan. And people go, holy crap. Now, there are some people listening right now who are like, that's a damn good idea. And some are like, I don't like it because of X, Y, and Z. Yes, but I gave you a plan, which means if I'm on a debate stage, you have to actually debate a plan, not debate how evil the other guy is or how corrupt the other guy is or how bad. Well, I know I shot one guy, but he shot three. So he's worse than me. You can stop that and talk about the actual plan. And if my plan's so bad, great. Let a Democrat or Republican find a better one. There's an old saying, if you can't find the right plan, put a bad plan on the table and watch people correct it or find the right plan. Yeah. Well, there's my plan. Where's theirs? Doesn't exist. That's how I handle it. 
So when they're doing this whole back and forth with the divide and conquer and everything, and, and they aren't providing any value by, you know, being more solution focused, which is, you know, what you're pointing out here, um, is that to take it away from, um, from being on the table as a plan because Correct. they don't want to plan, they don't want to plan enacted. It sounds like because there's so much money in the black market that they're Correct. probably getting some kind of cutbacks. There's or... money in a black market. Remember, whenever there's a black market, you can now make government bigger because you got to hunt a police force to fix it. Yeah. Right. The, the biggest example now, by the way, is the um, is the COVID relief checks. Mm -hmm. See this new one now? There's all this corruption. People stole all this money. You gave the money out haphazardly on purpose. You screwed the whole thing up. Now you made it right for corruption. And now you're going to have a police force put all these people in jail. This is the way the government works. Mm -hmm. So, yes, I'm going to be very forward thinking about this. If you're a Republican or you lean right, how come there's no balanced budget amendment? Republicans have run the government before. In the past 30 years, Republicans have owned all three branches of the government. Why is that not true? If you're a Democrat, why have we not codified Roe v. Wade? Democrats have run all parts of the government the past 20 years. They could have. Both of those things could have been done. Both of those things were promised by each party. Neither was done. Mm -hmm. Why? Because they can't, they forgot. No, they don't want to fix anything. And both sides complain about immigration. Has anyone fixed immigration? No, they don't fix anything. They just yell and go, other guy bad, and we keep falling for it. And I want you to realize something. If you're someone right now who's going, but we can't let Trump win, you have fallen for it. Or we can't let the libs win, you have fallen for it. Well, we can't stop, we got to stop Biden because he's corrupt. You have fallen for it. Got to stop Trump because he's corrupt. You have fallen for it. If you believe either of those things, you've fallen for it. You're, you are part of the system. Because guess what? They're all corrupt. Every one of them. And if you like a guy, it makes you unhappy to hear that because you think your guy's not corrupt. Your guy's corrupt. I'm just saying. <laughs> guy's corrupt. And people say, well, right, what, what means you won't be corrupt? Not yet. I don't have enough connections yet. I might be corrupt in a couple of years. So... <laughs> <laughs> Let me do like eight years and fire me. That's why I like, uh, that's why I like uh, a term limits. Like I, even if I wanted to be corrupt, I can't be yet. I don't have the connections yet. So I, even if I want to be corrupt, I can't be. So someone who's not, who doesn't want to be corrupt early on can't be corrupted, right? Because they just don't have enough connections yet. They can't eventually. I can be corrupted in eight years for sure. So great. I do eight years, throw me out. Fine. <laughs> I'm in. Let's do that. But I can't be right now. I don't, I don't have enough cronies to be corrupt yet. <laughs> or to put in term time. limits. <laughs> Give me time. Then I'll but be that, that makes perfect sense why they're all against the term limits then, too. 100%. Mm -hmm. Yes. Because they can't do There's... anything uh, to leverage that if, if they need the time to, to build it up even to, to get to that point. And I mean, Absolutely. some of them come from, you know... Um, long-standing political families and things yes. like that too where they already have the the connections even coming in because their families have you know hundreds of years of connections before that so absolutely 100 100 so i hope i gave you some interesting ideas <laughs> absolutely <laughs> and and thank you um so where you're working toward um toward taking things like this apart when you yeah. um when you go to to tell people um you know these are the solutions that i have for this and and it takes away from that sort of like back and forth of the um 
of the ad hominem attacks and the divide yep. and conquer system and, and all of that kind of stuff. And, and, and you take the, um, the focus away from that and put it back onto the solutions and, and then they don't have solutions. Uh, what happens at that point, you know, um, especially in debates, like, you know, does everything fall apart at that point when they have no solution to put forward? What happens well, then? You, usually it depends on how talented the debater is, right? Okay. Talented debaters will almost always just change subjects and they're very good at it. And <laughs> if you're not good at it, you, you fall for it. I have to, I've fallen for it also. I've tried to not do it. Not to, I also don't want to be mean to people. I want to come back on their shows. Right. So I've, I've fallen for it a couple times myself. For example, someone will say, but Larry, libertarians want this. And I'm like, and, and I used to sometimes like defend libertarians. So they want me to do. I don't anymore. Well, libertarians have said this. I go, great. Do you not like my idea? That's where I got to my idea. But if I don't. And, and you have to fall for it. You have to fall for it a few times so that you, yes, you know, so I'm that you human. don't fall for it anymore. You know, that you have Absolutely. to learn from it. Absolutely. And I also don't want to be a jerk to the person because I'm often on their show. Mm-hmm. In which case, now I can't go back on their show. Or they're just going to cut it up so I look terrible and put that out 45,000 times. So it's, it's, it's most people don't want to do what I do because they get to look stupid. I get my ass kicked a lot. And most people don't want to do that. Right. But I do it. I go in front of all the time. I have to. I don't have a choice. Someone has to do it. I do it. So it's why people get behind me. They're like, oh, Larry will go get beat up. Throw him out there. And they're right. That's an accurate <laughs> statement. They're right. So I'll go do it. But yeah, it can be very challenging. Oh, they're doing, they'll do a personal attack. I remember one guy, um, I literally didn't go back on the show. I was, so, I was so mad at him. I didn't, I didn't show it really on the show as much, but he, he just came on and started laughing. He goes, hey, Larry, what do you think about driver's licenses? And I was like, what are we talking about? Well, you know, no. Oh, so you're just here to mock me. Okay, I got it. Right? I'm like, why do I come on your show? But that happens all the time. That is a wow. very common thing. Mocking, attacking, things like that. Personal attacks on people, right? Um, I got 2% of the vote when I ran. People attack me the whole time. Well, you got me 2%. Not realizing that I was a libertarian in New York State. Literally the bluest state in the entire nation ranked least free by Cato five years in a row. And I got 2% of the vote. That was the highest libertarian has ever gotten ever in the history of New York state. So while 2% for a Democrat Republican is an embarrassment, accurate. If I was a Democrat Republican, 2%, I should be ashamed of myself. As a libertarian? That's huge. I got a hundred, I got a hundred thousand votes in New York state. A hundred thousand people voted for me in New York state. Yeah. I think that's amazing. Yeah, it is. It absolutely is. I think it's amazing. And, and, and they're not looking at it that way. Mm -hmm. They're not. Yeah, they're, they're, they're looking at it, comparing it to the Democrats and the Republicans who have everything on lock. So they'll attack me on that often, which is what is basically is a personal attack mm -hmm. because they want to make a personal attack because they don't want to talk about my issues. So I'll bring up an issue and then I say things. Well, Larry, you can't win again, a systemic issue. Yes, but am I right or wrong? I've got to constantly pivot back to, is what I'm saying incorrect? Is what I'm saying wrong? Like what I've talked about was the idea of if you want to do um, electoral reform, mm -hmm. right? Um, finance camp campaign finance reform. Easiest way of doing it. Very simple way. Sadly, our, our Supreme Court has decided that corporations are people. I can't believe they did that, but they did. And that's insanely stupid, but that's the law. I'm not going to change that. Here's the law you can change. Very simple. You may donate to a, a political uh, campaign or to an individual or a PAC, whatever the case may be, 
if you are eligible to vote. Done. That's the law. PACs can't vote. Can't donate money. Companies can't vote. Can't donate money. You fix campaign finance with just one, one swoop. To hear part two of this interview, please subscribe at starfirecodes.com.